You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter with you all on this Friday final podcast of the week as we're into the new year here and we are going to preview the Pelicans game that is upcoming that is almost a must win for them as they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers on Saturdays we'll get you set for that game but before that we got to look at a couple of different things that are going on. First, we're going to answer some listeners' questions through that text line, and we'll play you what they're wondering about and give you my answers on this and my opinions here. Some really good ones have come through, and I think they kind of lead to an interesting discussion here. The other thing we got to look at, there was a trade in the NBA for a division rival of the Pelicans, the Memphis Grizzlies, making a move for a guy who's maybe on the Pelicans' radar. I'll give you the rundown of that trade, maybe say, how I think it might impact the trade market that's going to be going forward. So we've got a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before I play two questions, and I think one leads into the other, if you want to be part of the podcast, give me your opinion on the Pelicans. Ask a question. The number to call in is 504-321-0448. That's 504-321-0448 to be part of the show part of the podcast here, and I can take and answer your questions. You can give your opinions. We've gotten a bunch of really good ones, and we'll use this throughout the rest of the season and going forward because I think this is a great tool to make it a little more interactive. Hear what you all want to talk about as well. So without further ado, let's play the first one here. Hi, Jake. This is Landon, also known as Hot Pelicans Takes on Twitter. Um, I currently live in Baton Rouge, attending uh, Louisiana State University. And um, I also do the Deep South podcast, Talking Pelicans as well, if, um, if anybody's interested in that. But my question to you was, um, what do you think the outlook is um, in the management's perspective um, about making moves this season? Do you think that they think that once this team gets healthy, um, that just having a healthy roster and healthy uh, bodies on the court will be enough to, um, to propel the Pelicans back into playoff contention? Or do you think that they are well aware that they need to make some sort of move in order for uh, for the Pelicans to go on that kind of run and um, and just really sure up the roster and, and the depth and things? So uh, so let me know what you think and uh, and just take the perspective of the the management and, and what they're thinking in terms of that. Thanks. Um, I'm a longtime Pelicans fan and listener of the podcast, and uh, I appreciate everything you do. Thanks, Jake. Goodbye. Thanks for calling in, Landon. And yeah, I think you kind of nailed it here a little bit that this front office, this coaching staff really feels that the true heart of this team or what they could be is what we saw through that opening four-game stretch for the Pelicans where they looked like the best team in the league during that 4-0 start. You know, injuries have derailed them a little bit when we, we talked about the blame game yesterday. Injuries are part of it. Injuries kind of exacerbate the lack of depth that this team has. So without Miritich for now an extended period of time and, you know, maybe he'll play on 
Monday or Wednesday. We're not really sure yet. And without Alfred Payton, this team was going to struggle because now all of a sudden you're putting guys in who aren't as good into the starting lineup. You also have guys playing out of position a little bit more or playing more minutes than they are maybe most effective in. And that leads to a whole bunch of other problems. So it's not just missing your own guys, but it's the, the ripple effect that that has, which causes other guys to need to step up and the Pelicans don't have the players that are going to step up. So that's kind of the problem here. But when you really look at this team, as we talked about yesterday, there are so many flaws. The defense is a big one. And the defense wasn't great to start the year. They were bottom 10, even during that four-game winning streak. I thought the points per game numbers were overstated and overrated a little bit. But the defensive rating per 100 possessions and accounting for the fast pace that they were playing at wasn't good. And we've seen that lack of defense really kind of carry over. You know, but that team did come out just with with the type of aggression and played assertive basketball that you'd like to see that we have not seen, that we did not see until the fourth quarter against the Brooklyn Nets. I also think they like Julius Randle coming off the bench a little bit more because there are issues with him and Anthony Davis with defense and rebounding, which now is going to lead into the next question that we've got to play. Hey, Jake, this is Nathan Cohen from Mid-City. Uh, thanks for the uh, podcast. Always appreciate the great work. Just wanted to know, Julius Randle, is he a must-trade um, This after the um, trade deadline? Uh, is he a must-trade because of how much money uh, he's going to take up and, and the fact that we can't actually re-sign him next year? doesn't play well with AD, takes shots away, doesn't get back on defense. Uh, thanks for the great work, and I uh, look forward to hearing the response. Bye. Nathan, thank you for the question, and I think this ties in from the previous question, too, where, yeah, you know, despite the fact that they think this team is good and can, you know, get into the playoffs and go on a run, it very clearly needs to be upgraded in some way. Even with a fully healthy team, they wanted to add another piece, and they're likely going to trade a first-round pick to be able to do that. Now that we've seen Julius Randle here for a while, despite the real good kind of surface level numbers is maybe the best way to put it. And those numbers are pretty good. He's having a bit of a career year, which then also ties into this question here. And I'm pulling the numbers up because I was not prepared. And Julius Randle's numbers per game are 19.9 points, 20 points, and 9.3 rebounds to go with 2.7 assists. But he's also got... 2.4 turnovers here. He, you know, is shooting okay from three at 32.9%. But Nathan nailed it. In the fourth quarter, he takes shots away from Anthony Davis. Some of that's on AD for not being assertive enough, not being aggressive enough in the fourth quarter. But they basically just alternate. And that's one of the reasons why you see Anthony Davis only getting something like four or five shots in some of these fourth quarters because, well, Randall's got the ball and it just kind of renders AD useless. And... That's not a good thing. The lack of being able to coexist is definitely a problem. Randall's probably better for bullying second units, but that, you know, is a useful thing. But if you've got to play him in crunch time, and if Miritich is going to stay healthy, then I'm not sure if that's necessarily worth it given all of the other issues you have on the team. Now, when Miritich comes back, maybe you can keep him on the bench and use him in that role. 
But then that brings up the second point you made at the first point, which either one was, do they maybe need to trade him by the deadline, given that he's on that mid-level exception deal, basically like 8.6, 8.8 million this year. You don't have his bird rights. You can't go above the cap to really re-sign him to a big deal. They can offer him something like 10 million per season starting next year. That's it. It's 120% of what he's getting paid this year. And this is assuming he doesn't pick up that player option for the second year. Likely he won't when you're averaging 20 points per game. So if you know he's likely going to leave at the end of the season and you're in all you can do to try and keep Anthony Davis here mode, you're likely going to need to take back long-term salary. So you could trade him for a guy who'll be under contract, and then you can go over the salary cap to re-sign Nikola Mirotic. So at least you don't let him walk for nothing during this season, after this season, and you can at least maybe sell AD. Hey, we got this other guy under contract here too. We just made it back to the playoffs, hopefully. And look, you want to stay another year? Two? Five? Maybe that's likely what they're going to need to do if you're trying to put a pitch together for Anthony Davis to keep him here. Losing a guy like Randall in the offseason, if AD's looking at the cap sheet in the roster, that's not exactly going to do wonders to keep him here. So sometimes it's kind of just getting a guy instead of just letting him walk for nothing, which can be good or bad depending. And when you see the other issues that go on with him with those fourth quarters and all that other stuff, it makes a lot of sense to try and do that. So I think it's something the Pelicans are really going to look at. You lose some bench depth then, but I think you'll still get him with a replacement. Now, the issue is at 8.9, 8.6 million being a potentially expiring deal like that. That might not be enough to really bring in someone else. You've got to trade even salary. So unless you package him with a guy like Solomon Hill, you're looking at getting a player for $10 million back. There's no real difference maker out there. And largely because of the number of buyers and the lack of sellers too, I think it's going to be a quiet trade deadline. And that's likely going to be then that they aren't really able to move him and bring in a significant piece. So you may as well ride out with what you have and hope that he can help get you to the playoffs and you know maybe you sell AD on something else. So they're kind of in a weird position with it. But yes, I would make trading Randall a very high priority for all of the reasons mentioned. So again, thanks to Landon and Nathan for calling in. If you want to be part of the show, the number is 504-321-0448. Let me know what you think about this Pelicans team. Ask the questions that you've got. It's 504-321-0448. So we had a trade go down. First one of the new year here in the NBA with the Chicago Bulls and division rival Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are reportedly trading Marshawn Brooks. You may remember him from the failed three-way trade between Memphis, the Wizards, and the Suns when it seemed like the Suns thought they were getting a different Brooks. But Marshawn Brooks now heading to the Chicago Bulls from the Grizzlies alongside Wayne Selden and two second-round picks. The Grizzlies 2019, the upcoming second-round pick, and the 2020 pick to the Bulls in the deal. In exchange... They're getting potential Pelicans target? Not anymore, I guess. Justin Holiday, brother of Drew Holiday, the Pelicans player. And all of a sudden, this takes a guy that the Pels were maybe eyeing, that they'd kind of like and would fit here a little bit, to a division rival. And all of a sudden, that trade market that I just mentioned I thought is going to be quiet looks to get potentially even quieter as we get closer to the trade deadline. Justin Holiday was averaging 11.6 points, 4.4 rebounds, 2.6 per game while shooting 35 from deep. He's been 
pretty good throughout the year. He's got decent size. He can play kind of on the wing, which is a big need for the Pelicans. He's good enough defensively. But here's the thing. I don't know if the Pelicans were going to be able to actually beat this offer unless you include a first-round pick in it. Certainly the two second-round picks they could have sent. But Wayne Selden is averaging uh, five, almost 5.5 points per game. It's not horrible. You've got Marshawn Brooks, who's not even going to kind of stay there, and they're just going to waive him. And the Pelicans don't really have enough expiring money to make this uh, uh, this trade or a deal really attractive to the Chicago Bulls. So that's kind of the problem here. And yeah, you know, it's kind of this team does need to make a move. This wouldn't have been a hugely impactful move, but it would have made the Pelicans better if they brought in Justin Holiday. But all of a sudden now that is going to be off the table for them. So kind of disappointed to see Wayne Selden, you might remember from New Orleans a couple of years ago when they brought him in. And then all of a sudden Memphis just kind of snatched him away which was disappointing, kind of right under their noses a little bit. And now he's being moved for a guy that they would have liked to have had. He's an expiring deal at $1.5 million. Um, and I believe Marshawn Brooks was as well. And now, you know, they've kind of been burned on this and it just takes another guy away from the Pelicans that, yeah, they would have liked to have done something. You give up uh, two second round picks to be able to bring him in. No big deal there, but unfortunately, they're not going to be able to do that anymore. Marshawn Brooks, let me see if he was expiring as I pull up his contract here. Yep, 1.65. You don't really have like $3 million in expiring deals that you really kind of want to move unless it's maybe a guy um, like Wes Johnson or something else. But largely, that probably wasn't what the Bulls wanted to take. So maybe the Pels try, but who knows. But the Memphis Grizzlies got that deal done first. They get that wing help that they've been looking for for a little while as they start to fade in the Eastern Conference. Now, this just takes one more player away from the Pelicans and what I really think is going to be a quiet NBA trade deadline. If you want to hear more about this trade or any other deal that may or may not go down in the NBA, well, the Locked On NBA podcast has you covered Monday through Friday, given everything you need to know about the association. Catch up on all the comings and goings in the NBA with the Locked On NBA podcast. And of course, I host every Wednesday alongside John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. Make sure you listen and subscribe. So I don't want to call Saturday's game against the Cavaliers a must-win for the Pelicans, but but at the same time, it kind of feels like a must-win, and maybe that means it is a must-win. By the way, right now when I record this, the Cavs are 8-30. and 30. They are going to be on a second night of a back-to-back when they play the Pelicans taking on the Utah Jazz the night before. So they're likely going to be 8-31 and 31 going into this game. Kind of feels like if you lose to that team, even on the road, you've got some problems because the Cavs aren't really great at anything. They play with a very slow pace, second slowest in the league. They have a bottom 10 offensive rating, and they are the worst defensive team in the league. So if you make them look good on offense, that's not a good thing for your defense or anything at all, really, I guess. And they shouldn't be scoring on you. And your defense hasn't been good, so maybe you let them. That's all terrible here. They're dealing with some injuries, so I don't think you'll see Kevin Love in this one. That's kind of the big one there. 
And this team just, again, doesn't do much well. They don't take many three-pointers. When they make them, it's at a medium rate there. Um, they're not just a good shooting team in general, actually ranking 26 in that category. They turn the ball over not too much, which is maybe the one good thing, and they're actually pretty good on the offensive glass. And that's kind of really it. They allow the worst field goal percentage in the league. They don't turn teams over. They're not particularly great at defensive rebounding. The Pelicans should be able to feast on the offensive glass. But when you have a game like they did against the Nets where Julius Randle only grabbed five rebounds, I think, total, makes you wonder if that'll actually happen. The one good thing they, they are good at, I guess, on defense, the one good thing for them on defense is they don't really foul much, so the Pelicans aren't likely to get into the bonus early and get to the free throw line. So you've got to make your offense count in other ways. But this is not a good Cavs team, no matter what. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no way you can really spin this. They've actually lost six in a row right now before they play the Utah Jazz. Without their leading scorer, too, in Kevin Love. You got Jordan Clarkson, who at least is averaging almost 17 points per game. Rookie Colin Sexton has been having a nice enough rookie year with 14.7 points per game. But he's shooting just 42.2% from the field overall. Not too great. He also turns the ball over a lot. Drew Holiday, if they have him guard, uh, if if he's guarding Colin Sexton, should be able to have a field day there. Maybe shut down this Bulls team kind of almost at the point of attack. Rodney Hood, potential Pelicans target somewhere in there. Um, is having an eh, year two, 12.9 points per game. Tristan Thompson, always at least tough on the glass, is averaging 12 and 11. And that's like really it. Again, there's not many good things to say about this Cavaliers team. So if the Pelicans do lose to them, I, you know, it's just kind of how is that going to make you feel and what are you going to think? And there's just almost no excuse for it. So like we don't need to preview this too much. They don't really do anything well. And so, yeah, let's call it maybe a must win for the Pelicans because you can't afford right now to lose to this team on the road when you're trying to just do anything you can to kind of get back into contention, right the ship a little bit. So hopefully they can get it done on Saturday before them playing the same team at home on Wednesday, and then the Memphis Grizzlies maybe going to have some new, a uh, newly reinvigorated Memphis Grizzlies team. We'll talk about that on Monday and why um, when I preview that game because that one might not be as easy as you think in the wake of what's kind of gone on with them over the past week or so, but we'll preview that on Monday for you all. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans, this week of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget about the text line if you want to be part of the show as well. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Monday.